unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Please welcome Christopher Roush. Hello, guys. It is Tuesday night, 5, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you are at your place for the Raw and Scripted Show. I, of course, am Christopher Roush, your No Excuses Coach. I am your host. Thank you guys all for being here. Whether you're watching us live or on the replay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Whether you're watching us on the video cast or, of course, listening to us on the audio, audio podcast, thank you very much for doing that. We are in nine countries right now. We were in 13, but I don't know what happened to the other two subscribers from Sri Lanka, but thank you guys all of that. We're in nine countries. I just confirmed that this morning so thank you thank you thank you for wherever you are listening or you're watching this from we appreciate you so so much this is actually episode number 100 or 202 so we've been actually doing this for a little bit we started this back in january of 2019 and been going strong ever since. We've never missed a single week. I have played a couple of replay shows because I was on vacation or something like that. But we've been here every single week bringing you content after content after content about ways that you can elevate your consciousness, expand your confidence, uh, and realize your true potential in this world to go out there and kick ass and have a, a no excuses life. So thank you guys all for being here and, and, and enjoying that with me. I know a lot of you guys have been here for quite some time and watching this evolution and this growth. Um, sometimes I get this show confused with my Friday night show, which is the unfiltered experience. So that's why I went and I said 5 PM because I thought it was at my Friday night show, but I'm at my Tuesday night show. So you get, uh, you get a little bit of me everywhere. Uh, I possibly can go and, uh, truth be told, some of you guys follow me on clubhouse and I was just doing a two hour room there. Um, so I am all fired up and ready to go. So fasten your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen, we got Natalie in the house. What's up, Natalie? She says, hi, Chris. Thank you, Natalie, for being here. Appreciate you. We got Dennis Nermella. He goes, hello from China, brother. So we got China in the house. Why don't, why doesn't China appear on my, uh, my podcast, uh, things there, Mr. Dennis Nermella, um, go subscribe to the podcast. Now, if you go type in Ron and scripted on iTunes, you can get it or, or, or what we could do here. We could just, let's do something on the fly. You guys want to be crazy. Want to be crazy with me? Let's do this. Let's do this. I'm going to do this. Watch this right now. Watch this Hang with me looking in the comments, looking in the comments, looking in the comments right there. So go click on that and hit subscribe. And if you like it, leave us a review because honestly i've done a poor poor job of asking my guests and my watchers and my viewers to leave us reviews something that i've never been really consumed with i know you guys dig the show but a friend of mine a mentor of mine brought it to my attention he's like chris i went to your website or i went to your 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 itunes thing and you have like six reviews you've been doing the show for three years and you only have six reviews come on buddy get on with it so i've gone back to my previous guests and asked them hey if you got if you like the show subscribe to it some of my longtime listeners uh go there and subscribe to it so thank you thank you thank you appreciate you guys all being here we got Catherine young in the house Miss Catherine Young quit smoking last year with my assistance. So thank you, Catherine, for being here. I appreciate you. Um, so yes, please do me a favor. Go hit that link. And while we're talking about what we can do in the world, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Help Heal Humanity is a proud sponsor of the Raw and Unscripted Show and the Unfiltered Experience. Why? Why Help Heal Humanity? Because I'm on the board of directors. And I've been involved with this organization now for two years. And I'm, I'm really honored to be there because I got the opportunity to interview the CEO and the founder, Serena Buffalino, years ago through my friend Patricia. And I just fell in love with her, her, her passion, her authenticity, her willingness to do whatever it takes in order to help humanity. Um, nobody on the board, nobody in the entire organization takes a paycheck from this. All the money goes to exactly what it is that we're raising money for. And we built a school in one of the roughest parts of Haiti. And not only do we send about 160 kids to school, um, we also feed them three times a week. So um, not only does your donation dollar go exactly to what it's what it's helping for, but we're feeding kids and we're expanding their opportunities for what they can do in their life and create a better life for themselves, even in the country of Haiti. Um, we do things in country of Canada as well. We've done stuff in Spain. We've done things in Ca Cambodia and, of course, here in the United States. And that's why I'm on the board of the United States is because she said, hey, Chris, if you want to be a part of this organization, I said yes. So when you get value out of the show, not only go to iTunes and subscribe and hit us a review if you like the show, you don't have to lie, um, but also go to Help Heal Humanity org and make a donation whether it's five bucks 20 bucks 100 bucks we just had uh, a guy last week donate 300 thank you very much for that guy i appreciate you and actually his name's guy he was a guest on the show uh so thank you for doing that you know when you do that if you donate anything over 200 you get an hour of my coaching time for free so not only do you get to donate money to a, an amazing cause you get a tax deductible donation plus you get an hour of my coaching time for free which is uh i won't say this with any deliberate intention, but that's a steal for $200 for an hour of my time. So, uh, do that uh, guy got a, an hour of my coaching time. So we got that on the record. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's just, it's the only way that we 
charge for this particular show. We don't do advertising. I'm not going to do advertising. I'm not going to do special. I don't even do, promote my own shit, right? We've got these uh, wristbands. You can get their no excuses wristbands. You can do that. I don't even ever talk about that. This is all about bringing you guys content, having you guys a part of the conversation so that we can all up level and do our best to make this world a better place for who we are and what we do. That's why I'm a part of Help Heal Humanity. And that's why I would love for you guys to help me help heal humanity because together we are more of the same than we are different. I've proven it time and time again. Uh, and with that, we're going to get on with the show. We got Robert in the house. Thank you, Robert. He says, good evening, Christopher, Dennis, Catherine, Dork, me, me, and hi, me. All right, Robert's having a multiple personality situation going on. So thank you, Robert, for being here. He's always a, a proud sponsor, a proud contributor to the show. And this is a conversation, guys. This is a conversation between you, myself, and the guest I'm about to bring on here. So feel free to ask questions. Feel free to engage with us. Every once in a while, I may just go, hey, Catherine says this, or hey, Natalie says this. Or, um, you know, we just want you to know that, that you're involved in this conversation with us. So uh, feel free to let us also know what type of guests and what type of subjects you would like to have on the show. And we'll entertain that as well. You guys know how to get a hold of me. Worst case scenario, send me an email at Christopher at ChristopherRash.com and we'll get to you and we'll make sure we get the guests on the show. We're actually booking into June already. We've got so many people who are desiring to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for potential viewers and potential guests on the show. We appreciate you. And tonight we're going to be talking about all things about mindset. I'm excited about the conversation we're going to be having tonight. I've had an opportunity to get to know my guest a little bit. Um, we're involved in a, a LinkedIn uh, support group and not support group, like a mental support group, but a LinkedIn support group for our posts. And uh, there's some pretty incredible people in there. And I've invited them to come here and be on the guest on the podcast because they have so much amazing wealth to share and what we can do to lift our mindsets, mindsets up. And that is no different. And tonight we have Miss Karen and Bullock welcoming to the Raw and Scripted Show. Thank you, Karen, for being here to the Raw and Scripted Show. How are you doing, my dear? I am doing very well, Christopher. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Are you excited? I know I'm like, I'm all, I'm all revved up and ready to go. You got, you're on the East coast. Like, Hey man, this is my bedtime. And now you're not going <laughs> to be able is, to go to sleep. It is my bedtime, but Hey, this is, this is going to be worth it. And I know any conversation with you is going to keep me very well wide awake. So I'm <laughs> not will, worried. There will no, there will be no doubt on that. So you asked me before what I was talking about in the clubhouse room for the last two hours. We were talking about a very interesting subject, which is called free will. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to just dovetailing off that conversation. Do you believe that we have free will, free choice? And what's your ideas about that? And what can we do to stimulate that creative process behind that free will choice that we do have? Wow, that's a deep conversation. <laughs> I'm jumping right at the deep end, baby. Just Let's right just go, baby. Sure. I've been going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, I do absolutely believe we have free will. A hundred percent. I think that there are things that... Um, are orchestrated in our life to help us, um, but we have the choice whether to accept that help or not, right? So um, there are always opportunities. There's always gifts in our way, and we we have the choice to to go down that path um, and take them or not. And hopefully, we're taking them because the opportunities that we're presented with are often for our growth, for our um, being excellent for our, um, what I would like to call living up to our full potential, really the opportunity for us to really share all of our gifts and talents to the world. And I think we're presented with those opportunities, but we don't always take them. Yes. So why don't we take them? If we know that we have free will and free choice, and we know that we can get ourselves out of many situations that we're in, why do so many people choose to be stuck? Because we're afraid. And, and and there's often a lot of pressure, peer pressure, family pressure, societal pressure to not to not do those things, right? Often because people are afraid. They're afraid for us. They're afraid for us. They're afraid for us and they're afraid of us, right? You know, I think the big, you know, somebody, and I don't even know where I read this, so um, I shouldn't be quoting it, but you know, somebody said that, you know, the biggest fear that we have is is really that all that we really are inside of us is too much for even us to handle much less the rest of the world. Right. <laughs> I sometimes think that about myself. I'm like, damn, I wish I could share some of this energy with somebody else. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but you are sharing it with someone else. You're sharing it with us right now. Yeah. That's why, that's why I love to do this. So, and, and I love that answer. I want to dive deep a little bit deeper on that. You know, talking about that fear, 
what is what is your perspective of fear? You know, you, I, we were talking a little bit before we went on the show. You shared a couple of things with us. Uh, what is your perspective about fear? And when when did you start to realize that fear was just a concept in your brain that meant to kind of hold you back and, and keep you safe? I don't know that there was any one moment when I realized that. Um, I you know I know there was a there's a time really early in my career where my boss threw me into this situation with an irate customer. I was a trainer at the time and my boss threw me into this situation with a customer who was completely hated the software that he had developed and I was teaching people how to use. And and he she like completely yelled at him and he said to her, "Fine, this is what I'm going to do." I'm going to send my best trainer up to spend two days at your facility teaching you and your staff how to use the software. And if you don't love it by the time she leaves, I'll give you all your money back. And he wow. sent me in. No pressure, no pressure at all. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. And I was, I think I was in my 20s at the time. And it was like, uh, what? But it, it ended up, and I always say this, it ended up being one of those really pivotal moments in my life because I, I went, because what else was I going to do? And by the time I left, they did love the software product. They were our best users of that product, like the next five years. And it changed my view of myself at that time. It changed my view of what I was capable of. And I thought, hell, if I can do this, I can do anything, right? And yeah. so I, I think it, it, it wasn't really, I can't, I can't say that I put fear into the equation at that time because I, I kind of didn't get that but what I got was maybe you know I can do a lot more than I thought I could and and I should I love that yes you should that's that's the key component we're not here to exist in life we're here to live life and so many people are existing in life and they're they're playing the someday game someday when this happens and that happens then I will go out there and I'll do these things and I'll be brave and I'll be bold and everything else but so many times that you talk about this fear we're afraid of, we're afraid of making mistakes. We're afraid, we're afraid of failing. We're afraid of not living up to the expectations of our parents and the people that, that we look up to and everything else. What are some ways we can get people to shift their perspective about fear? Because I tell people, I, I you can't quote me necessarily, but I tell them 98% of all fears are just manufactured in your brain and they never become a reality. So when people tell me I'm afraid of the dentist, I'm like, why are you afraid of the dentist? Because it's going to hurt. I'm like, yeah, it's going to hurt. But guess what? If you don't go to the dentist, what's going to happen? It's going to hurt, hurt more. more. It's going to hurt more and it's going to cost me more money. Yeah, dumbass. So what are you going to do with that information? Um, I think I'll sit here and I'll think about it until it hurts really bad. And then I'll go and then I'll then I'll regret it. Talk to us about it. How can we shift people's perspective about seeing something that they might be afraid of? And here, I'll give you an example of how I look at it to give you a chance to think about the answer. When I think about fear, I think about fear and excitement. So I was at Disney. I was not Disneyland. I was at uh, Magic Mountain years ago and i was standing in line waiting for colossus which is the biggest roller coaster to have there at the time and we were all excited to be on it i could it was a two-hour wait so i could hear the, the the group of people in front of us talking about like oh my god i'm so excited this is we've come here all this way for this and i'm gonna put my hands up in the air like i just don't care and oh my god da, 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 and this is gonna be so fast i hope it goes fast does it have a loop-de-loo and i could hear this over the two hours two groups behind me i could still hear them because i was kind of walking around in line because i got bored two groups behind me they were talking about how afraid they were oh my god that's so tall and oh my god that looks like it's going fast and you know what how old is this thing and, and what if the the if it's been maintained and you know what if we come off the tracks and what if the lap and i could hear all this stuff and honestly it occurred to me karen i'm like fear and excitement are the same thing it's just what direction you're looking at it so that for me i get people to re reframe their fear as excitement and go actually i said look forward to being excited right for most people are I'm like, okay, so change your perspective about that fear, turn it into excitement and go, go at it. Um, like you're a little boy or a little girl, like you used to be right. So talk to us about what we can do, what we can do to shift people's perspective about that fear and get them out of their comfort zones and getting them out there living their life. Well, there's, there's two things that come to mind. First of all is, you know, that fear, that fear often comes from, you know, what we call, you know, our judge, our inner critic, that that part of our brain that is always looking at everything and finding something that's wrong with it, right? And we all have that judge, you know, it, it actually, I mean, it helps keep us alive in a lot of situations, right? When, when we have to be careful and we have to do, things. so we're always evaluating as we go through life, is this good, is this bad, is this good, is this bad? But that judge is actually what often holds us back. That judge is what creates the fear, right? So 
being aware of that judge, what we're judging, whether we're judging ourselves, pe other people or circumstances, that judge is what keeps us from open up to new things because it wants to shut us down. It wants to keep us safe. So it's that inner dialogue of this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. This could be bad. This could bad could happen. So that's absolutely one thing, but the counteract that um, there's a technique that I use with, with my clients called looking for the gift, right? And, and it's looking for when you look at a situation, instead of judging it, or when you catch yourself judging it, you look at the situation and say, what could the gift be in this situation? Yeah. What, what could the opportunity be in this situation? Even when you're judging things, even when you're looking at situations that are really bad, like, hey, you know, I lost my job. I got laid off. You look at that. Oh, my God, that's so bad. That's horrible. Everybody keeps telling you it's horrible. Well, okay. It's not, maybe it's not great. It's not a good feeling, but... What opportunities does not having a job open up for you? Yes. Does it give you an opportunity to find a better job? Does it get give you an opportunity to start your own business? Does it give you an opportunity to do that volunteer work that you've been wanting to do? Write the book, start a singing career. I don't know, whatever it is. But what opportunity does that bad thing offer you? So if you if you pay attention to the judge and the bad things and then you start to look for the opportunities in the bad things, it can really change perspective on things. I love that, Karen. I love that, Karen. I'm not sure what you got going on, but something is rustling in your background. That's kind of, do you have a microphone? Yeah, I do. Hold yeah, on. That... I know what I know what it is. Hold on. <laughs> just, want, I just wanted to let you be aware of that. Yeah. Um, Yes. And, and thank you for that. I mean, it really is. It's about feeling and our feeling ourselves empowered by the fact that, yeah, you know, what, what can I do to shift my perspective about this? So my next question for you is tell us about a time, tell us about a, a, one of the roughest times in your life. Talk to us about that experience and what it is that you learned and what it is that you did to get out of that experience. So people can get an idea of who Karen is as the leadership expert, as we're talking about, you know, how to stop struggling. What was that time in your life where you're like, oh shit, wow, I'm really in, really in a, in a bad spot. Talk to us about that and what it is that you uh, got yourself to do to get out of it. Oh, um, gosh, there, <laughs> there are several of those. I have the same, same answer. Yeah. There, there, there are, there are several of those. Um, I guess, I guess when I was, um, I guess in my thirties and this is probably the first time, um, I was in a really bad, um, really bad work situation. Um, I was really uncomfortable with my boss and I was really, uh, but I, I still, I felt trapped and I felt like I didn't have any options. And I thought, well, you know, I, I've got to do something. And so I did a lot of research, but the most important thing I did is really ask for help. You know, I went to someone else and I said, okay, I'm in this situation. I, I need help. I need, you know, I need your help specifically. Um, and what happened out of that is the person I asked for help helped me in a way I totally didn't expect him to. So I asked him to help in helping me, you know, put my resume together and be a reference for me and do, you know, do these other things. And what happened was is he did a reorganization in his department and made a job for me so that I could come back and work for him. Oh, sweet. Um, and it really, we can't be afraid to ask for help when we're in situations. And I, I think so many people are, they think they have to solve the problem themselves. And I think one of the things that's really served me well over the years um, in my career, in my personal life, you know, what I'm doing now is I'm not afraid to ask people for help. Yes, I want to figure things out. Yes, I, I have a strong independent streak. But at the same time, it's like, why, why, why reinvent the wheel, right? Why, why do you learn something yourself when somebody else has already been through it or knows something about it or can help you? So I think that's probably been one of the best ways that I've gotten myself out of bad situations is asking for help. 
Karen, I love that answer. I love that answer so much because so, so many times we're in our ego. We're in our, I got this. I don't want to, uh, we think that we ask for help, that it's a sign of weakness. We go back to when we're little boys and little girls. What happens in school? If we, uh, we have the wrong teacher, if we ask the wrong question, then we're made to be like, look like fools. Yeah. I know in school, I had a, I had a vision situation. I, I was supposed to wear glasses when I was a kid. I had a hearing problem in my left ear. So I wouldn't always hear or see the right things, but I would still ask the questions. But I soon enough found that I felt like a dumbass by asking the wrong questions or not phrasing the questions correctly. So I'd quickly learn, like, I'm not going to ask authority figures any questions because I don't want to appear stupid. And so I would sit there and figure like, okay, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I don't want to appear weak or stupid or anything like that. And it wasn't until we actually, I met uh, our fellow uh, mutual friend, Miss Sally Anderson back in, I've known her since 2010. This is crazy. I've known her since 2010 wow. on social media. I've watched her go through her various iterations of her life and we know what her life has com been comprised of. She's been a guest here on the show a few times, um, but it wasn't until 2019 when I finally just came to my wits end and was like, you know what? I'm a coach. I haven't had a coach. I've had coaches, but not a proper coach. And so Sally and I knew Sally. And so we started working together and pretty quickly, I found that the quickest way to get to where it is that you're going is to ask for help is to swallow that supposed pride and actually go seek experience from people who are wiser and more knowledgeable from you. And then also have been through those things that, have, that you could possibly prepare and not make those same mistakes from. It was such an eye opener for me. And I figured, you know, I could have still achieved the success that I've achieved, but it probably would have taken me a lot longer. So I love the fact that you brought that up and that you got wise to that and saying, Hey, listen, you know, that's why questions are there for us to ask. And the only stupid question that, that, that we ask is the one that we don't ask. And I firmly believe that because I've proven this in in auditoriums and, and arenas where I've talked to thousands of people at one time. And I'm like, okay, who here has a question for me? You have my entire devoted, undevoted attention right now. Who has a question for me about mindset or confidence? And I look around, the, I'm like, oh, come on. So you fuckers got it all figured out, right? You got all you guys are smarter <laughs> than me. You guys are all figured out. Everybody's like, uh-uh-uh. And I said, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that there's probably, if one person has a question, I'm guarantee you probably one third of this audience has the same question. So, so who's going to be the brave person to ask the question? And some person asked me a question and you and I watched because I could see it. I'm like, oh, at like a 30 you fuckers just went, uh-huh. I'm glad they asked that question. I said, so I'm speaking of questions. Um, I know that you're a coach. I know you're in the leadership space. I love questions. I, I'm all about questions. And I was talking with a, a prospective coaching client this morning and he was asking about my coaching style. I said, I ask a lot of questions. I get you to come to the result of what it is that you need to come to. I just ask you questions that kind of guide you there. Are the questions simple? Yeah. Are the answers easy? No. Um, so what kind of questions do you really like for yourself and for your clients that really spur you to become creative, become resourceful and to kind of get out of your own way? Um, I think why questions are my favorite questions um, because wow. we, we, we so often give answers, say things that we, we don't even really think about what we're saying. We, we don't know why we're saying them. We think that we're just, you get, you get, you, somebody asks you a question and you say, well, you know, such and such and such, this is what I want. For instance, you know, somebody says, well, you know, I ask a client, well, you know, what, what do you want out of the situation? Well, I want this. Why? And then they kind of get this, this deer in the headlight look on their right. face. What do you mean? Why? Well, why do you want that? You know, why is it important? Because if you don't know your why for what, what's behind what you're saying, then you re you really don't know why you're standing behind it. And for me, being, being true to myself, walking my talk, being in integrity with myself is really, really important. And if you don't know those why answers, that is impossible. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're begging me the question to ask you, what is your why, Karen? What is your why? And now I'll give you a moment to think about that. My why I realized that pretty emphatically back in 2008, I was at a funeral for one of my coworkers, and this is when I was in corporate, of course, and I was sitting at the back of the church and I was watching the eulogy and I was watching my friends go up there and eulogize this person. I knew of her and I knew her as a coworker, but I didn't know all of the different aspects of her life that she was so impactful in, in her personal life. And I thought to myself, I saw my buddy Dave Riley get up there and start blubbering. And I was like, wow, how beautiful is that? Like, he just really so moved that he's like getting tears in front of his coworkers, right? I mean, that's a pretty vulnerable situation to be in. So the first time in my life, Karen, I said, if I died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? And so I got real honest with myself real quick. And I thought about it. I'm like 10 or 15 people would show up. They'd bring cases of Miller Genuine Draft and bottles of Jack Daniels and Motley Crue and Bon Jovi records. And they would talk about all the stupid shit Chris did. 
Remember that time Chris got drunk and drove a sandwell and through camp. Remember that time he did this. Remember that time he did that. Remember? Oh my God. Remember that time? Remember that time? Oh yeah. And then the postscript of the whole thing would be, he was a former seventh grade homeless dropout who went back to earn a master's degree and ultimately helped change the world. End of story. You know, and I thought about that and it bugged me so much, Karen, that I was driving home and I was thinking, God, well, I don't want to be remembered that way. So what is it that I'm going to do? What can I do? And this is back when I was my coaching too. What can I do to inspire myself to have such a, 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 a clear picture of who I want to become so that every single day that I'm being intentional to fulfill that legacy, what is it that, what is it that, what is that for me? And so I went home and, and God is my witness. I sat there and I thought, oh, well, dumbass, write your eulogy. And most people don't want to think about their death. You know, the two fears are, are dying in public speaking, both of which I do and actually addressed. So I sat down with pen and paper and I started writing my eulogy. I had no idea what to do. I didn't Google, you know, how to write a eulogy. I just wrote Christopher Roush was uh, an amazing father, blah, blah, blah. And I kept writing and I had no idea where it was going to go. And then ultimately I, I finished, I did an eight and a half by 11 page. I figured, okay, that's good enough. I got up, went to my kitchen, got some water. I came back and I literally pushed it aside on my desk. Like, okay, I wrote the eulogy. And like, okay, I'm on to the next thing. I got, I got all these other things to do. And I sat there and I said, wait a minute. Something told me like a whisper, a nudge. Something said, no, Chris, pick it up. And so I picked it back up and I said, well, I mean, I just wrote it. I figured I'd read it later, but I'm like, oh, I started reading it. Christopher Roush, da, da, da. I'm like, well, wait, if I was at a church or a funeral service or a memorial service, I'd be reading this out loud. So in my house, all by myself, Christopher, da, 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 da. And I get down halfway, the, halfway down the paper, Karen, and I start crying. Like this emotion came over me. I was like, and I got to the part where it said, Christopher Roush will have fought for what's right and what's fair. He will have risked for what's that mattered. And he will have left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. And that, my dear, since 2008 has been my vision of who I am becoming who I, who I like you talked about integrity. I walk my talk. I, I will not be incongruent. I used to be a relationship coach and I realized I wasn't taking some of my advice. Okay, I'm not going to specialize in relationship coaching anymore because obviously I know what to do, but I'm not necessarily doing it. So that's why I went into mindset and confidence. Um, so when I thought about that every day, when I wake up, the first thing I focus on is gratitude. What am I grateful for? Mm -hmm. Next thing I woke, I, I set the intention is how I'm going to fulfill that legacy that if today is today that if Karen is the last person I talked to, was I living in congruency with that mission to, to fight for what's right and what's fair and everything else? Yes. So like if my son came to you and said, Oh my God, my dad died. What was he like when you last talked to him? Obviously, he's going to see this interview and, and be there, but you're going to be able to say, wow, Chris, you know, your dad was really passionate. You've got to know me otherwise. So what is that leverage for you? What is your why when you wake up every single day to do the things that you do? And we're going to talk about after that about the book you just recently wrote that's coming out. Well, my why actually kind of leads into that. So, um, I, so. I, I, I think what, 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 what happened with me is I had a very successful corporate career and I was... Um, I knew my boss, who was the executive vice president of, of our business unit, was grooming me to be his replacement when he retired. And um, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted it because I wanted the title. I had been there for a long time. I was going to be the first one to get that title. I was excited about that title, but what I really wasn't excited about was the job. It was like, <laughs> okay, so, you be know, careful it's what like, you wish for. I, yeah, it was kind of like one of those weird things that I was like, okay, I, I want the title. And, and there were parts, of, don't get me wrong, there were parts of the job that I wanted, but there was something in me that was saying, no, that's, that's not what you're here for. That's not really what is you going to be using all of your skills and talents. That's really not how you're going to share with the world what you're meant to share. And so, uh, you know, I, I actually listened, <laughs> listened to that feeling. Little whisper, it, took, yeah. it took me a while. Um, you know, I went to a career coach. I asked for help. I went to a career coach. Um, I talked about what I really wanted to do. And what I really wanted to do was, um, was writing. I mean, okay, I was on the classic. I was an English major in college. And, you know, I've always loved to read. I always have a book in my hands. It drives my husband crazy at times. But um <laughs> I, I loved I loved to read, so I wanted to read a book. And the career coach is saying, "Okay, well, but you know what else?" And and that's when I actually explored coaching and realized that you know it kind of goes with you know I love being a teacher, right? I love teaching, and um, the coaching kind of goes along with the teaching and management and and all of the other things. And it, it, 
it's actually a beautiful compliment to to the writing. So um, I, I ended up pursuing that. And, you know, obviously this took a few years. I didn't just pull the plug overnight. Um, and I did get the title and the position before I left and did it for a while. <laughs> but um, all the while kind of preparing for for that. So I think for me, what I want to see everyone be able to do is really share all the gifts and talents um, that they have inside of them. Um, you know, all the experiences, all the skills, and really take those talents and use them to their full potential. And that's what I want to do for myself. And that's really what I, what I want to help other people do. So it's not quite as altruistic as yours in, in that I, I don't think about it in the way what, what other people think about me, but I think about it in the way of I want to I want to be used like I want to be used up by the time <laughs> I'm gone if that, used up use the fuck out of me Jesus if Christ that makes, if that makes any kind of sense it does it does actually into that point that's funny I don't have it anymore but I used to have it uh the memorial card that you get I guess when you go to the memorial service has a picture of them and has like information mm -hmm. on the back on the back I'm gonna butcher it but she said life life's purpose isn't for us to to end up all beautifully manicured i'm gonna butcher this but life wasn't meant for us to be beautifully manicured it was meant for us to be sliding in sideways saying holy shit what a ride and so when i think about that that's what for me is like holy shit what a ride that was Anne. and i think about that and that's such a beautiful thing i'm gonna dive into your book here in a second but since you mentioned books and being an avid book reader i gotta ask you this question what are like your top three books when you think about books that have changed your life changed your perspective have really moved the needle uh, this is what I talk about in my coaching, like moving the needle. What are those three books that have really moved the needle in your life? Oh, that is so hard because there, there are, <laughs> there are so many. Um, there are so many. I think. Well, you've probably read this one too because it's it's a book that Sally recommended with the synchronicity book. Um, with what's his name? I can't even remember. It's called Synchronicity. I'm not sure that I have read that one. Oh my gosh. All right. I got to, I, I, I'll have to look it up. I don't, I don't have the title off the Look it up and then head. you can put it in the notes for everybody else, uh, for everybody else to get as well. But synchronicity, maybe I, maybe she has, and it's just not ringing a bell. Yeah. I, I'll have to look at it. And then, um, there's another book by Tara Brock that's called Radical Acceptance. Oh, okay. I've read, I've read Radical Forgiveness. Radical Acceptance. And that book is really, you know, I was talking about the judge aspect of things earlier. That book really dives into that really deeply. So that was really meaningful for me as far as, um, you know, getting a handle on the things about myself that I was rejecting, right? And and not allowing to come forward because of, of that judgment thing. So I think that was important. The synchronicity book was more, it just tied into my beliefs about how and I mentioned this earlier when you talked about the free will, about how I do feel like we get guidance, we get opportunities, you know, whether you believe in a divine being or just the energy in the universe or however you define it. I'm not hung up on how you define it, but I am. I love the synchronicity book because it talked about those kinds of experiences and how that happens and how those doors open up for us if we just want to walk through them. Right. So you got to knock, you got to knock. It, baby. It, it, it would, it, it goes kind of go back to the, to the free will thing that we talked about earlier. Um, and then the third book, oof. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 those are the two that I can think of right now. Okay. When you think of the third one, let me know. So I'll give you three and then when I, we're going to dive into your book. So I'm going to say, I was just quoting this book the other day, uh, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Have you heard of that one? I have heard of that one. I have it in my library. I have not read it yet. That one is phenomenal. He talks about you're operating your zone of greatness, your own zone of excellence, or your zone of genius. And that's when I realized when I was in corporate, I was in my zone of excellence. I have a master's degree in organizational management, over 26 years in corporate leadership, you know, do it in my sleep, international logistics, all that stuff, zone of excellence. And I read this book and I'm like, zone of genius, what's that? Oh, that's the shit I can do without even thinking about it. That's me coaching. That's me speaking. I could do it all day long. I love helping people. I love inspiring people. I could do it without even, you know, blinking really. So that's one book. Uh, the other book that's coming to my mind is The Four Agreements 
because I love the simplicity yes. of it. Yes, yes, but yes, yes, impact, yes. The impact of those four agreements, I put three up, I can count. <laughs> those four agreements, um, you know, it's pretty incredible, you know, be impeccable with your word. I mean, geez, I mean, so yes. on and so forth. And the third book that's coming to mind right now, um, I'm going to have to say is Awaken the Giant Within with Tony Robbins. I had so many books coming up. I just put them on speed dial and see which one came up. Awaken the Giant Within, that big, big book. I remember seeing that and going, oh my God, what's this guy talking about? And I took it to the gym and I was on the treadmill or on the stair climber or something like that. And I became immediately hooked. I was on the thing for an hour and 15 minutes. I was like, holy shit. I started highlighting. I was, I read that book like three times and that really inspired me to really that. think and take action about my life. Because in there, he's, Tony's talking about it. We do things for one of two reasons for to avoid, pe avoid pleasure or to gain to avoid pain, pain or to gain pleasure. Gain pleasure yes. My brain is going in 12 different directions. <laughs> I've been talking for four hours now, <clears throat> as you could tell. Um, so yes, when you think about that other one, let me know. So let's, let's, let's jump off that little ledge right there and talk about your book, your book series. It's a book series. that's going to be coming discover discovery power book. Number one of the ascending ladder series. Talk to us about that. And what inspired you to write it? Did I get the name right? You did. It's Discovering Power, and it is book one of the Ascending Ladder series. And um, I, I actually started out, you know, to write a nonfiction book, um, and I was going to write about leadership because, you know, that's what I talk about. And I kept trying to write the book and trying to write the book, and it was like going nowhere. And one day, I'm out for a walk. I'm literally just out for a walk, and you know, bopping, be bopping along, listen to music. And all of a sudden I start hearing this, this like voice in my head. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but I started to hear this. I was, the, the main character of the book started like talking to me and I started seeing Whoa. scenes that she was in and I started saying, and I'm thinking, Oh, this is kind of cool. This would be fun to write this from a, instead of writing a, a nonfiction serious leadership book to rate it as a novel. Um, so that's what I did. And um, the first book in the series is about Cheryl Simmons and she's um, in, a, in, I, in IT leadership, which is what I did for a lot of my career. So, uh, you know, I drew from my experiences, but I also drew from the experiences of, you know, my husband and friends and, you know, other people that I knew and stories from the industry. And she ends up in a situation where she's really not happy with, um, the decisions that the management above her is making, but yet she's in the role which we've all been in as management is the people above us are making decisions. We don't like, we, we don't agree with them, but we've got to represent those decisions to the people below oh, us. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, <laughs> and times? we've, we've got to support them as, as, as sort of, you know, those leaders and we, you know, we've all been in, in that role and she's in this role, but it's really get, it really gets to her. And she has to figure out, you know, she's, she's ready, you know, one of her employees threatens to quit and she's ready to quit at times. And um, she's oh, yeah. going to figure out how to work through and, and maintain her integrity, you know, stay in alignment, walk her talk um, and, and, and try to keep her job. <laughs> <laughs> because she wants to keep her job. She doesn't know whether she wants to keep her job, but she cares a lot about the people that work for her. So, um, you know, she's, which, you know, I think a lot of us in, in, in leadership do that. We really care about the people that work for us and we want to, we want to help them. Um, so she's driven by that too. And so, um, it's, she, it's, it's fun. I love the, the ways that, um, she evolves in the book and, I love the decisions she makes. She takes some was risks. Was that intentional? Was that intentional on your part or did it start writing itself like kind of through you? It started writing itself, to be honest. Yeah. My characters write it because because I've actually written the the sequel to it. Book two is is in the final stages of being finished. And and um, you know, that one, the characters and and there's the first book is told mostly is told from Cheryl's point of view. Um, but there's three points of view in the second book. So there's, there's other characters that wanted to have a say. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. So does, does, does the character in your book ever go to management and kind of stand up and say, Hey, listen, there's what's going on here. I'm here to represent my people. Now here's some things that you don't have that you don't have a clear picture on exactly what's going on is does the character in the book or have you ever done that yourself? Um, I've done that in some, in, in instances, I have done that in instances. Yes. Um, and the character of the book does it in her, 
in her own way, but you'll have to read the book to find out how. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Natalie says here, she goes, uh, she goes, I will have to get Karen's book. Uh, I relate so much. Absolutely. Natalie, appreciate you being here. We got Catherine saying, love the four agreements, impeccable words change my life. It is so, so true. Um, Catherine says, Karen, I want to, uh, I want to be used too. That's going to be a new that. phrase. I want to be used Karen. No, that'll be awesome. I uh, Natalie says here, uh, why, when you, why, when you do ask for help, ask for guidance, where do I go from there by the people you are supposed to have the answers tell you, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? That's a good question. Well, mm. I, I'm going to put on my coach's hat for, for this one. There you go. I mean, really, Natalie, the only person that does know where you need to go from there is you. And anybody who gives you specific advice is giving typically giving advice from their perspective, what would work for them. And it doesn't necessarily work for you. Now, that being said, if you ask for guidance or, or advice, you know, you can tell people, I mean, I, I hate, I hate when people say, I don't know, unless they truly don't know. I mean, there mm -hmm. are times when people don't know. Um, but other times you might want to say, well, I don't know what's right for you, but this is what worked for me in that situation. Right. And that's right. what I try to tend to do instead of telling people what to do. But it is frustrating when people just say, I don't know, and don't ask you questions because really the next, the next thing is to ask you questions to help you get mm -hmm. to where you want to get yeah. to know where you want to go. So I don't know whether my, that helped Natalie or not, but my answer is a lot simpler. Uh, ask someone else. Yeah. When you, when you, I mean, I understand that I've asked for people for guidance and help and they're just like, well, I don't know, Chris. I'm like, okay, who should I ask that would know? Where do you get your advice from? Yeah. And so, yeah, never stop with that. If somebody is in a, an authoritative position or a leadership position and they tell you, I don't know, that's definitely a person that you do not want to be leading or mentoring you. You want people who, if they don't know the answer, like I would say, if my, if my staff would come to me and say, Chris, da, 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 and if I didn't know, I'd say, I don't know, but let's explore it together. Come around my desk and let's Google oh, it and find out. And then literally I would do that every single time. Fortunately, this is the time when we had internet and stuff like that. Some of us old workhorses were around before the internet. But yeah, I tell them, you know, and I go take responsibility, you know, ask a few people, if you have a particular question, get a couple of different inputs on that and get some different uh, perspectives yeah. on that. Cause everybody has a different historical factor that might contribute into that answer. Uh, but that's a great question, Natalie. Thank you for as as yeah. asking, asking us it is that. It's a great question, Natalie. And uh, Natalie, if you want to sign up for pre-launch uh, info on my book, um, go to ascendingletters.com ascendingladders.com, right? Right. There's a, there's a sign up, there's a sign up form there, a little bit about the book, a sign up form to get pre-release information about it. So we'd love I'm to share put, that. I'm going to put this in the chat right now. Normally I don't, I don't do stuff on the fly. So ascendingladders.com. Yep. Ascending. Cause it, that's make sure that people is. have it. All right. I just took a copy and paste. Is that correctly? Ascendingladders.com. Yep. Cool. That's I don't it. even have my glasses on. Look at that shit. That's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, and that the book is. and the book I was talking about earlier is Synchronicity: The Inner Path of Leadership by Joseph Jaworski. I will have to check my library and see if I had that. Maybe Sally never uh, recommended me for that, but I will definitely take your recommendation on that. I am reading a new book here. I'll just swing over here right now. I'm a I'm a huge fan of the author Dr. Gabor Mate, so I just got this beautiful gem, which is nice and thick. It's called The Myth of Normal. Ooh, the Myth I've heard of Normal of that. Trump. Trauma, illness, and healing in a toxic culture. I read the body. I read the book, The Body Keeps Score, last year. I actually run a book club, so I pick books that you have to kind of study and get into. So, The Body Keeps Score is a phenomenal book as well. And this seems like it's going down the same path. But I've got four or five of Dr. Gabor Mate's books, and I just love his authenticity, the way he pre presents information, and I love digging into the root of what you know causes people to be the way they are, or what causes us to be the way they are. So, I'm always constantly just su super curious. So, that's been a it's been a new book that I've added to my arsenal. In writing this book, so many people sit there and say, Chris, I want to write a book one day. What like top three tips would you give to people to write a book? You know, whether it's an outline or or whatever it might be, what are some tips that people can use to start writing their book? Because I don't want people to die with their music still in them. So let's get people writing some books. Absolutely. Well, the first thing is to just do it. I mean, the first thing is to do it. You know, set aside. I don't know where to start. Every, I don't know where to start. Every day and just write. It doesn't matter what you write. You don't have to start. You know, honestly, like I said, I started writing stuff. I didn't know what I was writing. And the first things that I wrote, I've never used. I'm probably never going to use. Um, and that's when, you know, I took the walk and, and the other part of it started coming. But if you start writing, whatever it is, 
it it starts to just open up those pathways in your brain that that then you know eventually things will come through the second you know and you do a little bit of it every day you don't you know don't sit down in front of a computer screen with a blank screen and stare at for eight hours in a day. That is not going <laughs> to get you. That is not going to get you where you're going to go. No. Um, but, but take, you know, half an hour, an hour every day, 20 minutes and just write, you know, write ideas down, write something down. Um, I think that's, the, you know, that's the, that's the easiest thing to get started because that'll start to open up the door for you. It's so true. I tell people all the time, what you talk about is a green light session. Like just sit down and just free ride. Don't think about punctuation. Don't think about anything else. Just free ride. I always go into something. I've actually written three books. I haven't published any of them, but once I get this one done, actually, um, I'll show you a little sneak sample. This is a, a mock cover of my book that's coming out. It's just you and me, kid. The story of a mother and son survival on the streets of Los, or streets of Southern California. It's kind of a homeless situation back there. I've got 169,000 words written. I'm going to call it down to about 100, 120. It's a good size memoir. Uh, but yeah, you just got to sit down and just write and just have an idea of what the message is that you want to you want to send and then write without judgment or prejudice or anything else and just get that shit out and just continue to write. I literally writ, wrote all of that stuff without even thinking about it. And now I'm going back through and reading it, sometimes wondering what I wrote. But for the most part, I wrote a shit ton and now I'm able to shape and mold it however I really want to. it. So um, so uh, yeah, that's that's a super important. One of the questions I have for you as well, because I want to get your time on this or get your thoughts on this. Of course, I'm the no excuses coach. So talk to us about Karen's excuses. What are some of your primary excuses? Maybe in what you were thinking about writing the book or anything else. What are some of your excuses and what do you do to overcome your excuses? Um, well, I can, be, I can be a really big, I will confess that I can be a really big procrastinator. <laughs> Why? 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 Because... I, I don't, I actually don't know. Oh, don't why. tell me. I don't know. Don't tell me. I don't know. Come on. You just said you can't say, I don't know. I it's usually because I'm, there's that, that judge that's going on that's saying, you know, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this or, well, it'll be more fun to do. It'll be more fun. The, the procrastinator, this is it'll be more fun to do this. Now you have time to do that later. There's always time for do, to doing that later. Yeah. And <laughs> so, you know, I, that, that's my procrastinator and, I think the way I, you know, the way I get around it is to recognize that it's my judge and my procrastinator that are telling me these things and that they're not true. And the other thing is, to your point, I start out every morning with a certain set of morning practices um, and and a gratitude list. A gratitude journal is one of them. I have do my 10 things that I'm grateful for every day. Love um, that. And I also do some journaling, you know, in addition to just writing to you, write the free, the free writing. I still do that every day. Um, because ideas come up and things come up and, and often that's how I get inspired for my day, to be perfectly honest with you, that, that free writing journal is often like an idea will come and that's, will get me inspired and motivated for the day. Um, and then I, then I finish that up with my task list for, mm. for the day. And I'm actually reading a book right now called the one thing. Oh yeah, I read that. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. reading the one thing, which which is which is very helpful because I think one of the things that happens with me sometimes is okay. I have so many things I want to do, I don't, I don't, I don't know where to start next. Like I, I lose, I just, I want to do, I'm, I think I'm a good multitasker and I want to do fifty things at once. <laughs> so you and I share a brain. Um. So the the one thing the one thing is actually helping me because I'm trying to just keep it my list of these absolutely have to get done today to, to like three things. Mm -hmm. um, and I have, you know, obviously some, you know, tick off the box, easy things too. But, you know, I try to, I'm trying to really focus on just three constructive, productive, big things to do in a day. Nice. Yeah. Oh, who's the author on that? I have the book up there and I can't remember the author. I followed him for a long time. He came out with a podcast for a minute. Super articulate guy. I can't remember the author either. I just got the book. I just, I'm One, like, he worked, he worked with, um, he worked with real estate people. Um, trying to remember their names, something and something, but yeah, the overall consensus of the book was what's the one thing I could do by which doing so will make it easier for me to do other things. I think yeah, that was the exactly. kind of crux of it. And then he had the one thing podcast, super cool dude too. Very well-spoken. Gary, Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Yeah, that's the, yeah, those are the, those are the guys. Yeah. 
So he had, yeah. Um, yeah. Phenomenal book. And like, what's the one thing you can do by doing, which will make everything easier. I use that quite a bit in my life. The thing I do with my, with my coaching clients is I talk about needle movers. Like what are the three needle movers you're going to work on today? And what's the one needle mover that you don't want to work on the most and do that one first. It's like, you know, eat eat the elephant, (laughs) you know, eat the, or eat the, eat the frog first. That was Brian Tracy. That was a phenomenal book too. Have you ever read yeah, that you one? always you always do the thing you don't want to do first and get it out of the way. I agree with that. So tell us why, because I, I I know why, but tell us why from your perspective. Why do we do that? Um, because once that's out of the way, then it's then it's easy to jump in the rest of the into the rest of the day. I, I I'm much more productive if I if I have that thing having hanging over my head and I'm thinking about oh I still have to do that then it, it kind of contaminates the rest of the day. Whereas if I just get it done and get it out of the way, I'm not contaminating my day because you know, positive being, being positive, being in a positive thinking. One, one of the things that I incorporate in my coaching, um, I don't know whether you've read the book, Positive Intelligence by uh, uh, Shazad. I never can remember his name, but anyway, positive I've done, I've, I've, um, I've done also, done some studying. So that's actually part of what I incorporate into my coaching practice, this thing called positive intelligence. And it's really great tools and techniques to um, stay in a positive mind mindset. And um, I love to use that with my clients too, and myself. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's, ex- that's exactly my answer as well. I tell people by the which, you know, when you think about it, you wake up in the morning, like, I've got to make that phone call. I don't want to do it right now. So what you got, you got that thing hanging over your head a whole day. So the things that you get to do that are easy, are you really doing them? Are you really immersed in them? Because you're constantly thinking about that one thing. Just get that one thing out of the way and be like, hell yeah. And then you celebrate, you do your little celebrate victory dance and then you go on to the other things. So, and then yeah, the rest of the things are more enjoyable. Yeah, they are. Cause I got that other, I got the monkey off my back. So that's what I subscribe to as well. Who is your book for when you, when you were writing that book and you were thinking about, is it powerful women? Talk to us about the demographic of who you want to read this book. It is really powerful women. It's women in leadership roles or aspiring to be in leadership roles. But I mean, honestly, my my husband read it um, and he really loved it. So, um, you know, I don't think it speaks only to women, but it's, it's written more for women. Um, You know, women who are, it's really for anybody in the workplace who is struggling with, how to how to maintain their integrity you know how to how to keep that alignment with who they really are and maintain their values um in the workplace bam there you go you got a new fan natalie says here she goes you are so inspirational mm, bam thank bam you, bam she went on to share here back here she goes i work in real tail re- I could talk. I work in retail as a manager for 22 years. Thanks guys. So you're already helping people. Again, the guys go to ascendingladders.com beyond that wait list as much uh, to get there for that as well. Karen, I told you the conversation was going to go by fast. It's already been 52 minutes. Oh my gosh. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I told you, I told you, I knew it was going to go fast. We were you excited did. for this conversation. I could go down so many different rabbit holes with you. We'd love to have you back on the show and talk about more stuff. Where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation with you aside from the ascending ladders? Um, well, I, uh, LinkedIn is my preferred social media. So Karen Ambolic on LinkedIn. Um, you want to just my, uh, kind of spell that out for people listening on the audio podcast? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, Karen and K-A-R-E-N-A-N-N-B-U-L-L-U-C-K. Um, there are two U's in my last name instead of a U and an O like most people spell it. So, um, there's that. And then the other way you can get a hold of me is my website, which is daringtotranscend.com. Because my company is called Daring to Transcend. And I love that. Daring to transcend all the bullshit, all the excuses to live a kick-ass life and love who I am in the process of it. Amen. Amen. Karen, this has been a beautiful conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know it's way past your bedtime over there. I'm going to place you backstage. I'm going to end out the show for a second, but don't go anywhere so I can personally thank you. This has been beautiful. Thank you for being here. It's been awesome, Christopher. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. You're welcome. We'll do more of it. We'll do more of it. So there you have it, boys and girls, you amazing souls, my misfits for life. Thank you guys very much. Um, I call you guys all my misfits for life for, uh, family because we all are misfits and we all belong somewhere. Uh, Catherine says, I'm buying this book. Hell yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, what do I do? I bring you guys the amazing guests that here that have the answers that you are guys are looking for that we can all learn from. I learned tonight as well. There's a book that I haven't read, so I'm going to definitely get that book. I have God's Honest Truth. I probably have about 14 physical books that I have not read because people give me recommendations, and that's kind of my little treat for myself as I buy them. 
And then I probably got another 20 books on my Kindle because I was reading books on my Kindle. And then I stopped doing that. And I went on my Kindle the other day and I'm like, holy shit, I forgot about all these books that I bought. And then I have Audible account. So I listen to three or four books a month. So I'm constantly learning, constantly learning and growing. What are you doing? What books are you reading? Put them in the comments. Let us know whether you're live or on the replay. What books are you reading? What books have changed your life? And yes, great show. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate it. Please, again, uh, as we go back and kind of review what we've been doing and talking about tonight, would love, love, and appreciate you guys. I normally don't ask. We talked about asking tonight. It's the power uh, within ourselves to ask. Please go to uh, apple.com or wherever you get your podcast and click in, uh, type in Ron and Scripted. Check out the show. And if you like it, dig it, subscribe to it. If you've been a longtime listener or a viewer, write us a review, please. Just whatever you can say, just write us a review. Even if you don't have iTunes, you can download it real quick, write the review and delete it. Um, I would appreciate and love you guys for that. That's one of my focuses right now. Um, so uh, Robert says here, I was digging into that slogan book from Friday this morning. The slogan book from Friday this morning. What was the slogan book from Friday? Um, remind me again what the slogan book was. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. So here's what I want to ask of you. So you've been inspired tonight. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you've taken my advice and you've written a couple of things down. I keep a, I keep sticky notes by me all the time. So I'm constantly taking notes. Take some notes. Put some actionable items on your computer monitor. And then every day when you wake up and you set the example or you set the intention for what it is that you're going to do, I want to learn and grow today. I want to become a little bit better than I was yesterday. Put those notes right on you. I mean, I've literally got four sticky notes right in front of me that uh, that help me stay stay intentional. Even one of them I'll share with you. This one, it says, and I talk about intentions all the time. It says, am I being intentional? Am I, Christopher, am I being intentional right now? Am I working on the things that I need to do to be moving the needle on the things that are most important to me? Yes or no? No. Am I focusing on what's most important, right? So when you think about sometimes like me, Karen was the same way. We're amazing multitaskers because we do so many different things because we like the shiny bell. Ooh, there's that, there's that, there's that. But what do we really accomplish? So for me, it's like, am I focusing on what's most important? Yes or no? Am I focusing on the needle movers? Am I focusing on the three things I said I was going to get done here in the first quarter of the year? If I'm not, stop doing it, Chris. Snap the rubber band on your wrist and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I need to redirect my attention back to what's most important. Otherwise, we're not going to accomplish shit in our life. We're going to wind up at the end of our road. And like they say in the five, the book, The Five Regrets of the Dying, um, another great book, by the way, in case you need to see it, I should just keep it next to me because I'm constantly referring to this book. I should get, I should get reward points or something like that. The top five regrets of the dying. The number one regret of the dying is that people lived the life they thought they were supposed to live and they didn't live the life they wanted to live. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being on your deathbed? Can you imagine finding out that you got terminal cancer and you've got six months to live and you think about all your entire life? all the risks you didn't take, all the fears you had. Oh, I'm afraid of what so-and-so is going to think of me. Well, shit, I'm going to be dead in six months. I should have went after that and lived my life instead of just existed in it. I am so super passionate about this. I just uh, talked to a prospective uh, coaching client this morning. He was kind of blown away at, at my delivery of what I'm so passionate about. I don't want you to guide, guys to die with any regrets. I don't want you to be a, a statistic in that book. It's what you do today. It's what you decide who it is that you're going to become tomorrow. When you go to sleep tonight, tell yourself, I'm going to be a different person tomorrow. I'm going to be just a little bit different. I'm not looking for like massive shifts in your perspective. I just want you to kind of go click. Hey, life is happening for me, not to me. Hey, can I be excited about some of the challenges in my life? Because they actually teach me things, just little adjustments you start making in your, in your, in your, in your perspective and your intentions every single day, you will start to change. And as you start to change, like we were talking about the, 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 the one thing, there's another great book out there called The Compound Principle by Darren Hardy. The the he was the editor in chief for Success Magazine. That like that you know that compound interest every day. You start committing to that. You start changing and evolving like Catherine's done when she quit smoking, and like Natalie's doing, like all of you beautiful people are doing. It's pretty incredible what it is that you can change. And six months down the road, you can sit there and look back and go, wow, I'm such a different person than I was just six months ago because you applied yourself, because you took action, you took responsibility. You didn't sit there and hope and wish and pray that someday when this happens, when I win the lottery or whatever, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to win the lottery, especially if you don't play it. And that, that, that's what I think is funny when people say, oh, someday when I win the lottery, I'm like, well, how many times a week do you play? Well, I really don't play. I'm like, so you're, you're basing your whole life on a fantasy of something that you're not really doing? Really? You think, you think you're going to live forever? Ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to live forever. We're all going to die. It's what we're doing right now. It's what we're doing. That dash between our birth date and our end date, that dash right there is our life. You know. And for me, when I get to the end of my road, I want to know that I fought for what's right and what's fair. I risked for which that mattered. And I left the earth a better place for who I am and what I do. 
Every single day when I wake up, I say what I'm grateful for and I set those intentions for the day. As I'm going through my day, because I'm not perfect, some of you guys think I'm perfect and they're like, oh, Chris, you're always so positive and everything else. I have, I have depressive episodes. I have anxiety episodes. I struggle sometimes, but I have the tools. I have the wherewithal what to do in those moments to keep myself redirected. And, and I have the people in my life that I can go to to help me get my head out of my ass if I'm, if I'm having a victim moment. So it's important to have those tools and your resources. And it's important to draw upon those because at the end of the day, again, it's all about not having regrets. So what is your why, ladies and gentlemen? Please connect with Karen, get her book, support her, let her know that you've watched her on the show and continue to shine your freak flag, continue to rock everything in your life. And we'll be back here next week. You guys are always asking me like, who's on next week? Who's on next week? Next week, it might be, because you also guys asked me not to have guests so often, which I thought was kind of funny. But tomorrow, oh yeah, next week actually is a solo show. So next week is just me. So let me know in the comments. Let me know in the in the, the social media posts, whatever it is, however you need to get a hold of me. Let me know what you want me to talk about next week. And you guys can design the show. If you want to ask me questions, send me some questions and I'll answer those questions on the air. We'll have a conversation about it. Just you and I next week on the show. So Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, put it in your calendar, put it as a reoccurring appointment. We're here every single week. And again, if you haven't listened to the audio podcast, please go subscribe to that. And we'll be back here next week on the Raw and Unscripted Show. I'm Christopher Roush, the No Excuses Coach. I love you guys. Go be brilliant. See you next time.